Hello and welcome to another episode of the Super Six podcast with myself, Laura Woods. And usually at this point, I would be introducing the larger than life bio Akinfenwa, but he has deserted me this week. He's taking an extra long ice bath, longer than the ones he normally takes, which are extraordinarily long. So he's not here. I cannot believe it. So he's letting me fly solo, which, um, yeah, I will get him back for at some point. Not only has he mugged me off and said that Dave Jones is a better presenter than me, uh, he's also just dropping me last minute for ice baths and all that. So, you know, we'll sort it out privately, potentially. Hopefully he'll be back next week and we can get back in together and I can ask him all loads of questions about how is it sitting on the bench in the championship. So anyway, this week we have another very special guest. I'm really excited about this one. Uh, It's a Fulham player. And at the moment, if you've been watching Fulham or following their results, you'll know that they are on an upward trajectory. That's really difficult for me to say, upward trajectory. That's much better. But you'll know what I mean. I covered their game this weekend at Liverpool and it was quite special actually, to be honest. They just had some fight in them and some spirit, which I found really impressive. So I'm very excited to talk to our next guest, who's going to tell us what it's like in the change room at the moment. He's not playing, he's getting himself back to fitness, but he knows all about what it takes to be a Premier League footballer. And he's coming up now. Predict six correct scores on Super 6 this week for a chance to win £250,000. Download the app and play by 3pm on Saturday. Head to skysports.com forward slash Super 6 for more details. Okay, here he is. This week's guest is Fulham's club captain. It is Mr. Tom Kearney. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? (laughs) Hello, hello. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, not too bad. Thank you so much for joining me. I would say us, but Bio's not here. And mm. I'm sure you can imagine, you know, the old boy's body is not what it used to be. And mm. it's a lot of, there's a lot of fixtures in the championship, lots of training sessions. So, yeah. uh, you know, he's feeling a bit sorry for himself, I think. Yeah, he's probably in the ice bath. <laughs> That's exactly what I said in the introduction. Is it? Oh, okay. That's <laughs> literally exactly what I oh, said. Okay. Oh, bless him. No, I do feel sorry for him because I know he would have enjoyed this. Yeah. And I enjoy it every time he's in because we always talk to these guests. And the bit I always say I love about working with Bio is that everyone remembers a time that they've played against him. And and he rarely remembers a time that he played against them. But that, he's like, yeah. what, when was that then? What year was that? Yeah, everyone yeah. always remembers him. Have you got a, a story about him or a time you played against him? Do you know what the weird thing is? The last time I played against him was um, international break friendly, and that's how I got injured. No way! Literally in October. In October, that's how I did my uh, injury um, against Wickham, and he, was, he he came on in the second half. So yeah, it's not a good, good, not good memories really. He was but, yeah. he was nowhere near you at the time you got injured. No, it wasn't his. Good, no, no, good. It wasn't his fault. I'd gone yeah. nowhere near him. Don't worry about that. <laughs> I bet you don't. Sorry about that, but obviously, like at the moment, in terms of your recovery, there's a, there's light at the end of the tunnel, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Um, hopefully, maybe back in the squad this week or next week. So, yeah, definitely light at the tunnel. It's been a it's been a, a bad two months personally, but the the team have done really well of late, and it's been it's been a joy to watch. A little bit jealous, really, of the way they've been playing and the way they've been just like come together. Really, like the defense the defense um, defensive record has been amazing. I think only Man City have conceded less goals than us in I don't know fifteen sixteen games, which is astonishing, really, for promoted side. It is amazing. I wanted to ask you about how this has come about because that was a problem at one point, wasn't it? And mm. now all of a sudden, it just seems to have completely solidified. I did the game at Anfield at the weekend and I was looking into the defensive record and it was something like in the last six Premier League games, you'd only let in two goals and kept four clean sheets or something like that. It's weird because I've been in six years now and we've always conceded goals. We've, mm. we've always scored goals, but we've always conceded goals. So it's, um, it's the first time in my career at Fulham, really, that the touch wood it says that but um, that we've been defensively solid and I think 
I think that's what's key to keeping you in the Premier League, really. I think that's where we, we let ourselves down a little bit two years ago, a little bit naive and we conceded a hell of a lot of goals and you're not going to score two or three goals like we do in the Championship to win games. So, no, it's, we've definitely turned the corner. There's something else as well that I wanted to ask you about that you just get a feeling off Fulham at the moment and I work with a lot of people and obviously whenever we're working on TalkSport we have to talk about relegation all the time and top four and all these different ramifications of what's mm. happening and for a while now it's felt like Fulham have started to just move in the right direction and it's not just the defence it, it must be as well partially something to do with the belief that you have in the team because at Anfield that day when everybody turned up we all did our pre-match interviews interviewed the managers interviewed the players there was something about your team and your players that felt like you were going to win it and I can't explain it it's strange mm. isn't it I, mm. I just wonder where you think it's come from I think it starts at the top I think I think the manager and the coaching staff have got to take a lot of credit I mean um, the manager he came in 12 games or something towards the end of the Premier League season and got relegated and we won three in a row and like he turned it around and then from we went from a losing mentality in the preseason to like a winning mentality and, but we bounced straight back and I don't think a lot of teams that get relegated bounce straight back I mean Norwich look like they're going to do it this season but in history I don't think a lot do it and um, I think that comes from him he, he changed the culture of the club the mentality training is intense day to day and I think to do what we've done this season with a lot of lone players as well. So when you get a lot of lone players, it's, it's sometimes hard to gel. And I think um, you've seen, well, especially December time, things started to really gel together. And yeah, I think it comes from the top and yeah, we've just really carried it on. And I think momentum's key as well. So I think we're on, a, as you say, an amazing run and hopefully we'll finish the last 10 games strong and stay in this league. All the ex-players that work in media now that know him have, have like spent time with him, played with him, yeah. or played against him. All say the same thing about Scott Parker. They're mm. always like, he's a top, top lad. Yeah. What What's he like as a manager though? Like, what does he do that gives you that faith? I just think it's the same day to day, whether we win or lose. I think that's I think that's key. I think he never get he never gets too high, he never gets too low. And I think he's a realist. I think um, there was a we had a meeting when we was ten points behind the safety I think it was way before the, even the Everton game and he was he literally said to us look if, if I didn't believe that you could get out of this like if we didn't have nothing inside these four walls then I honestly wouldn't be here and I think we believe him and we believe we've got enough and when I think when you have someone like that leading you I think um, first of all you don't want to let him down and then second of all he makes you believe as well so we've still got a long way to go I'm not saying we're out of anything but I think it's I think people are starting to talk about Fulham in a, in a positive light and it's it's not really been like that for a long time. There was something else as well that I think caught the public's imagination at the weekend. It wasn't just like the way that you played and the goal that you scored. It was Scott Parker's coat. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> I, know, I, got, I got sent so many pictures Yeah, sometimes of his grey coat and yeah, the memes and stuff. <laughs> Social media don't miss a thing. It's mad, isn't it? Swallows yeah. at the game. And this is the worst thing. And like, obviously, if you're listening, don't tell him and don't tell him either. Yeah. But like, while I was at the game, I was getting sent memes of him. Yeah. And, like, and it was it was like um, uh, Zoolander memes and all the, like, these yeah. different things. And I was like, well, yeah. how am I supposed to do a post-match interview? <laughs> all I wanted to do at the end, if it had been any other show, if it was this or if it was TalkSport, I would yeah. have just tagged it on the end and just said, anyway, tell us, where'd you get the coat? Where's the inspiration? Like, uh, Someone asked me to ask him if it was his wife. So I was like, unbelievable. No, 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 I cannot, no. like, cannot do this. But but he does. Also, also, before the game even started, I was standing there with Jamie Carrigan. We looked at him and we both went, 
he's quite stylish. It was before the coat came out. We were like, he's quite stylish. And Jamie was like, yeah, you can tell he thinks about it. And we were like, he does, doesn't he? And he's, is he stylish like every day? What does he come to training in? It's quite like that, you know. He likes a lot of navy. And navy is his favourite colour, I'd say, which was quite surprising. Normally he wears a navy coat, but the first time he wore he wore the grey coat at Anfield and I, I bet you was going to wear it at the weekend. It's a lucky <laughs> so probably, charm now. Probably a bit superstitious like like all people in football are. So I, I can guarantee you'll probably see it at the weekend. I really hope it comes back out again. Do you think yeah. he's aware of it? Is he aware of the attention it garnered? I, I think so, yeah. I think he's got he's got it's kids sweet. as well so I think they'll definitely have social media and be like, Dad, have you, have you seen yourself here? Um, yeah, him. Twitter and Instagram's crazy. Oh, I love it. Maximum respect for him, by the way. I'm not taking mm. a mic. Yeah, just, yeah. just, you know, yeah. just relay yeah. what they're saying on social media. So let's talk about you then, because your career has been really interesting, actually, and where you all started. Tell us about the early, early days. So tell us about Leeds. You're 16 and what you were told by them and how tough that was to take. Yeah, Leeds was, Leeds was a massive part of my life from the age of seven till 16. At the time when I was young, young, I lived in Nottingham and they... They helped me kind of move, help my family move from Nottingham to Leeds wow. to get closer to the training ground, which sounds crazy. Like uh, as an eight, nine-year-old, ten-year-old boy, you just you just think you're doing whatever. But yeah. if I could go back, I'd tell my mum and dad not to leave their family, not to leave their friends just for a nine-year-old, because he's really good at football at nine years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, crazy. I could just play for Nottingham Forest. But <laughs> at the time, Leeds was in the Champions League, like the first team, and the, the academy setup's amazing. And I think my mum and dad obviously seen something potential something special and they just kind of followed that which is mental but anyway um, that is mad. have you got brothers and sisters that came as well yeah yeah I had a sister I had a sister and I think when we moved and my mum was pregnant as well with my brother so and my dad didn't have it my dad didn't have a job either so wow that's yeah. a sacrifice isn't it yeah so no pressure <laughs> Uh, yeah. So, so then, so then you must have been like, I cannot imagine influencing my family. What age did you say you were? I moved when I was like nine. I think nine. There was nothing that I was good at at nine years old. Enough yeah. that would change the way that my yeah. family lived or where they lived. That's incredible. It was so serious from such a young age. Honestly, <laughs> could you still enjoy it? Mm. See, this is the thing. I, I don't think I've seen it as a job. I think from that kind of age, I think that's how I felt. Like I took games and training that seriously, but. It was all fine, I think, until I got to like 13, 14, you know, where teenagers start to change and grow and develop into like young young men. But I think I was a late developer and I think that's where I kind of fell behind. So like um, normally normally in youth football, the strongest and fastest always always win. And then as you get older, everything catches up and it goes back to like, it goes back to football. But um, I think those those were hard two years, fourteen to sixteen, and I was used to being kind of the main man, as you say, at academy level, and to like kind of bottom of the pecking order, just because I, I didn't, I just, I was just a little boy really, and I struggled to keep up. And yeah, when the academy director told, me, I think he told my mum after a game, I think it was Newcastle away, that I wouldn't be getting offered a scholarship. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It's like your whole world comes crushing down because it's all I knew since. Seven to sixteen, and obviously I gave a lot to Leeds United. I love, I love Leeds. I loved, I honestly loved it. And um, yeah, it was just, it was just, especially the effort you put in, obviously moving house and stuff like that. So yeah, it was, it was horrible. So what happens then? The club basically say we don't think that you're going to develop into what yeah. we want you to, and they release you. So who, who tells you it, and then where'd you go? Uh, my mum <laughs> told me in the in the car on the way home from a game when oh. she was crying. Uh, oh, so she told me she cried, but she's she's emotional like that. She's emotional. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, she's emotional. But I, I didn't, I didn't actually cry. But obviously, I was, um, do you know what I mean, upset yeah. slash. I don't know, just feel, feel like let down after after everything. I've kind of gave the club for like ten years, or whatever. But it happens to it happens to loads, hundreds and hundreds of boys. But yeah, I think that's where you need a, a strong family around you. And I think my dad, my dad was key in that. He was like, "Listen, it's just you just need a little bit of time to grow to catch up, and then everything will go back to how it was when you were younger." And I listened to him, and whole city gave me them two years. They gave me the scholarship and. I played in the Premier League two and a half years later. It's crazy. That is mad, isn't it? Because 16 is a really tender age to be yeah. let down like that, to have something like that broke to you. Because it can, it's the kind of swing age, isn't it? Where like, if it doesn't yeah. go the way you want it to. There's a lot of distractions. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. And you must have already by 16 made your own sacrifices as well. It's like you say, that there's so many distractions and temptations when you're yeah. younger. Yeah, of course. I think... Just just school in general is, is I think, when you're teenagers, hard. And, I mean, you ain't doing what your friends are doing on Friday nights, walking around the park, you know, you, you know what I mean? It's, but at the time, that's the, that's everything. That's, like, all I wanted to do, do you know what I mean? Everyone's doing it, but you're not the one doing it because I've got training on Saturday morning. Tom, I did it, and you're not missing yeah. anything, okay? Yeah, like, don't worry about it. Like, I've yeah. spent my nights in the parks with a bottle of vodka, and it's that's what not, I mean. you're not missing that's anything. I mean. Don't worry about okay. it. <laughs> okay, but at the time, I felt like I was. And then when you get released, you're like, oh, we may as well have done it anyway. Um, <laughs> did you for a little while? Yeah, like, of course, I'm just gonna go yeah. And see like, what I was like. a little bit angry. I was like, what's the point of sacrificed all this, sacrificed yeah. that? Didn't take me long to get my head back back around it, and yeah, it's just opinions. It's football's all about opinions, and opinions don't define anything. Did you do some work experience as well in a bank? <laughs> I can't tell you. I can't reveal my sources. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I don't know where you heard this, but yeah, this is true. It was an absolute nightmare. I, I had to catch the school bus with a suit and tie, like a shirt and tie, no. because because it was close to my school and. Um, my dad went to work, so we didn't have a car. It was the only way to get there, so I felt like a bit of an idiot. Oh, and then did you have a suitcase, um, briefcase, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not a suitcase. Not like you're briefcase. leaving. A briefcase, a briefcase, a briefcase as well. Yeah, so I got called the name in between us from the in between. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly, what you're talking about. Yeah, but yeah, it was difficult. Nine to five, just just long. So yeah, it was, it was something that I didn't. I knew I didn't want to do, so I had to do something in football. But you've got to do that sometimes, haven't you? Just to kind of, like, say you've dipped the toe and, and seen, like, I did work experience in my auntie's hotel. And I was like, yeah. this is going to be great fun. It's going to be amazing. She literally had me cleaning toilets for a week, mm. like cleaning bathrooms. And I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. That's not you. That's it's not, not you. me, is it? Like, no, I gave not. it a good go. Like, I work hard, but I was like, that's why I did everything to actually do a career that I wanted to do. But mm. sometimes it's, like, we joke, but sometimes it does take that, doesn't it, for you to kind yeah, of go, right, right kick, up the, kick up the backside a little yeah, bit exactly. as well. So then basically you went to Hulls. So this was 2007. You signed a youth contract there, mm. a couple of years there. And you said that it gave you a lot, those sort of developmental years. Mm. What sort of things did it teach you? Well, I moved into Diggs at 16, lived with a family. So honestly, my, my teenage years are bad. Oh my God. <laughs> so I lived with another family. So like, can you like imagine that? So like I had a little bedroom. And my first experience in Diggs wasn't very good, you know. She, she said I had too many baths. So she took the plug. She hid the plug. <laughs> She hit How the many baths like, were you having? Just one a night. Just a past one a night. night. Yeah, I'm having like three a day. Hang on a minute. You're having one a night. How yeah, many... so she she hit the plug. How many people were living in this family? The mum, the dad, they had a son, and then I had a teammate who lived with me. So that would that helped me a little bit. But we had like a 
like a oh, to be fair, we shared, shared a floor with her son, yeah. and then um, yeah, it was it wasn't very good. Yeah. Were you using all the hot water? Is that what she was annoyed about? Oh yeah, but come on, <laughs> I don't know what else I can do. I just needed to pass time, honestly, just have a nice bath. But <laughs> so she hit the plug. She hit the plug. Yeah. That's ridiculous. So at that point, were you like, this isn't working? This isn't working, and then I just I mo- I ended up moving digs and living with. This wonderful, wonderful woman that I still speak to now. She texts me before every game. Oh. And it was just me and her. It was like a, um, I won't call her old lady in case she listens to this, but she was an older lady yeah. and she was amazing. She drove me everywhere, cooked dinners, and like she was a big whole city fan at the time. And it was just me and her who just used to watch like chick flicks at night time and just oh, then, um, that's so nice. I know, I know. Still speak to her like every week. She texts me before every game. How does that happen? Who, for example, for her to say, right, I want to do this, I want to effectively house a, a young player, how does that happen? I don't know. I think she must just get in contact with club or she's seen it advertised. I have no idea. But, um... I love that because what she gets out of that is probably more than you could ever imagine. Maybe now yeah. that you're older and you're, you're a dad now, aren't you? Yes, yes. So now you probably like, <laughs> is that hard? Is that harder than football? Uh, honestly, a one-year-old in lockdown is not the answer to anything. You had to learn how to like really entertain them. Yeah, it's yeah, it's been it's been difficult. Yeah, it's been, it's amazing, but it's it's hard. Like I I understand what my mum went through now and stuff. So yeah, it's it's been rewarding, but it's challenging. I bet that is. So that's like wow. So your lockdown. How old is your? So your baby is one now. Or? He had his first birthday in the first lockdown, so there's potential like he could have his second birthday in lockdown as well. So. Wow. Has that been quite hard because, like, the socialising side of that? Yeah, I think so. Massively for him. I think, like, I take him... To, I feel sorry for him to be fair. I take him <laughs> to the park now and, like, he sees kids and then, like, he just stands like oh. this for, like, 30 minutes until he warms up. Do you know really? what I mean? Because he doesn't yeah. know what they are. Because he's not been around any, He's not been around anyone and obviously not seen my family. And yeah. it's, been, it's been awful. It's been awful. But I'm sure everyone else has as well. I suppose in many ways as well, it's kind of good that he is that young because you never yeah. remember it really and, and he'll get out of that so quickly. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm giving you advice as if I know how to look after children and I literally, I have a... At least I don't have to homeschool because he's not at that age. That's <laughs> very true, to be fair. It kind of brings me on nicely to my next point about Jimmy Bullard because we're sort of taking a, like taking the leaf out of like, you know, babies and that sort of thing. And, yeah. and Jimmy Bullard is, is much like a large baby, isn't he? Yeah, he's a child, yeah. <laughs> what was it like with him? Such an eye-opener and probably, like, it was amazing to be around at, like, 19 years old, him being a senior pro and just the, just watching him around the place day-to-day, bouncing off walls. Yeah, he was literally the light and soul of the training ground. He didn't really play many games because he, he had a really bad knee at the time. But as a young boy, if I'm honest, I looked up looked up to him, obviously, in the England squad and stuff. And, yeah, it's just great to be around, like everyone else says the same. His energy levels are incredible. So I obviously know him from Sky and I've never seen him low at all. Yeah, yeah, it is, it is, it is weird. It's very weird. <laughs> it's really weird, isn't yeah, it? Like yeah. TV is perfect for him, to be fair. What was he like? Did he give you, he's like a kind of arm around the shoulder with you at all? Or? He did He did sometimes. He, I think he, you can ask him, but I think he talked to me a little bit. I think he, um, he looked at, he did like rate me as a player, a young player. And he used to tell me and, Try and give me a little bit of advice. It's hard to it's hard to listen to his advice sometimes because I never take him seriously. But yeah, it was no, it was it was really really good with me, and we've always stayed in touch. Really, I think that's why 
I've been on soccer a couple of times because of him and, and, and stuff like that. So tell us about basically you got promoted to the Premier League and then you left for Blackburn. And and what was it like? What were those kind of celebrations like for you? And then did you know that you were going to be leaving the club? Well, how did that happen? Yeah, I, I had an idea because I got injured, I'd say, for like the first third of the season, really, that we got promoted in. It was at the top of the league. So I came back from injury and I was literally just coming off the bench and, and stuff like that. So I, I wasn't really like a massive factor in, in the promotion thing with, with Steve Bruce. I was just like a squad player. And I was still like 21 at the time, I think. So as I came back for pre-season, obviously there's going to be more um, players coming in, Premier League players. So, And I think at that age, I think I needed like a full season under my belt. So I think in hindsight, it was, it was the best thing for me. And I think um, moving to Blackburn really helped me grow up and yeah, literally get a full championship season under my belt. And it was a really good one as well. So I, I won player of the year at Blackburn and it just kind of kind of set me up for the last eight, eight years that I've had really. And when you are like a a really big figure in in something like that, a time at a club, I mm. suppose for you as well, by the sounds of it, you you've been on the move quite a lot. Or you mm. got settled in one place, moved to another. Mm. Like you say, like it didn't feel like you had much to do with it. So then, having such an influential role in a club at a really positive time, mm. you just said it really set you up. How does that work? I just think. It's just literally go from like a, a kind of boy to a man playing week in, week out, playing 45 games a season. And I think once you have that in your legs and in your mind, I think it's it's easy to replicate, I think, um, year, year on year. And mm. I honestly loved it at Blackburn. It was, it was amazing. But I just, I have a little bit of regret because I feel like the squad that we had, I think we should have kind of made, we made the playoffs. I think if you look at some of the players that was there, like, say, Josh King now, Michael Keane, who's at Everton. We had Jordan Rhodes, who was on fire. I just think, yeah, we, we could have got in the top six and maybe should have done. It's crazy, isn't it? Because I was looking at who you played with as well, and you mentioned there, like, Michael Keane, Joshua King, yeah. Scott Dan, Paul Robinson, David yeah. Dan, like, some, yeah. some big characters. Crazy, yeah. And like you say, you like you feel like you kind of, you, it was almost like you underachieved what potentially you could have done. I think we, you know, I, I definitely think we did underachieve. I suppose me, Josh King and Michael Keane was a little bit, we was young, but I think we I think we had enough to definitely get in the top six. And yeah, I think looking back, if that's what that's one of my regrets really, because the man the manager was amazing for me. So I just wish we could have done that for him really. What was the dressing room like? Because there were other big characters as well, like Ben Marshall in there as well. What was Ben there? Marshall? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> we lived in like the same apartment block, <laughs> so we used to share we used to share um, rides to training and stuff. So. We used to do a few a few off the field activities together as well, which I can't really talk about. Like what? Just go out together, obviously. What down the park? In Manchester, no, in Manchester. Manchester. We used to live in central Manchester and go to drive. Oh my there. god! So he, but I'm, I'm, he won't mind me saying, like, not me. I wasn't like this, but he was a little bit old school. And I think he was like from. He should have been born in the George Best era. I swear. <laughs> Because he could. Say no he, more. Won't mind me, he won't mind me saying this. I swear, he won't mind me saying, but he, he used to like go to the the poor best way after training have a few maybe and turn up to training not in the best condition but I used to, I used to sit in the sauna sway it out a little bit and then go train and I don't know how we did it I swear he used to ask me but I was like no chance I didn't mind a night no I didn't mind a night out but I couldn't sit in the pub in the afternoon no way I know what you mean. So, like, he almost had like a kind of different mentality. Like, his so thing was going and sitting in the pub and having a pint. That was so his honestly, wind down. So different. Yeah, he just enjoyed it. He had a lot of friends around, like, 
the Worsley area because he was from Manchester. He had loads of friends, so I think that's what they did, and he just he loved it. And, so, I mean, he had, a, he had a great time. He was an old soul. That's yes, the way of putting it. Yes, that's what I'm trying to say. He won't mind me saying that either. <laughs> Did you have a good relationship with Jordan Rhodes? Yeah, yeah. I knew him before I came to Blackburn because of Scotland under-21s. And he's honestly the nicest guy in football. I don't know if you've ever met him, but he would never change it. And he's just like so polite. I don't think I've ever heard him swear. Really? I swear. <laughs> just the nicest guy. And um, yeah, what a goal scorer as well. At the, at the time, he was, he was flying. It's really hard to tell whether, when you say like really polite footballers, when you come across them, normally everyone's quite polite and you can't tell mm. whether it's like their um, media relationship or whether they're mm. generally polite mm. in real life. That so that's generous. good to know. Okay, I'll write that one down. Um, let's talk about Fulham. So you signed for Fulham in 2015. Mm. What was it that attracted you to Fulham? Because I know like there's a lot of people that say that there's something about playing for a London club that will do its selling for it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, massively. I think massively. I was what twenty four, twenty five at the time, and Fulham was only two. It was only the second year out of the Premier League, and basically all my lifetime, or the biggest stage of my lifetime, there's always in the Premier League. I had amazing players, Berbatov, the manager, obviously, and I mean Darren Bent was there, Sidwell. So like to me, there was always a Premier League club. So when they was interested, I was like, oh my god, like to get me, like I'm really interested in this, like get me down there, live London life which has always interested me. And um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful place in London as well. It's literally next to Chelsea, as you know, I'm sure you know. Yeah, um, I live here too. <laughs> the, restaurants, the restaurants, coffee shops, I miss it. But yeah, so I like, I was like, wow. And um, yeah, when it happened, it was an amazing change for me. And yeah, I've loved it. And obviously I'm six years in. So in those six years, you've experienced a lot with the club. Too like, much, too much the, stress. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's like, how many promotions? Is it two? Two promotions, one relegation, one semi-final playoff defeat. It's just, it's every year there's something happening. And now we're in another relegation fight. <laughs> how stressful is that? I mean, we'll, we'll go back to all the, the other, the good times, the bad times, the different managers, but to be in like a, a relegation battle for what feels like a, a, a consistent period of time, how mm. stressful is it, especially when you're on the sidelines for some of it? Yeah, it's, it's it's really, really difficult. I think um, no one wants a relegation on the CV. I think that's, yeah, I think definitely that's the hardest time. I think 2018 was the hardest time for me, I think, because the way we got promoted in the style that we did, I think everyone expected a lot of us. We spent a lot of money as well. I think we spent over 100 million the first promotion team to do it. And things just didn't go right from the start. And it's like, when you go away in the summer after getting promoted at Wembley, you're like, oh, this could be, like you're dreaming of what could happen in the season. Yeah, and you just literally, <laughs> it went like I got injured. It just went from, it went from bad to worse, really. So I think that was the hardest time I've had at Fulham was definitely the 2018 season. I remember there was a lot made about the 100 million spent and yeah. about whether or not they were the right players to bring in or just too many players to bring in to try mm. and integrate them. Do you think, mm. what was it about spending that money? See, I think I think the owners have been incredible because they've, honestly, they've tried to invest in the team every time and um, we brought in a hell of a lot of players, but I think we brought a lot in in deadline day as well. So I think it didn't give us much, it didn't give us like a pre-season to be together. And I think um, if you don't hit the ground running, and then I think there's like we didn't. I just don't think we gelled really. I think that was it wasn't the team spirit wasn't right to to stay in the league. And I think we was playing catch up from an early stage. And then obviously um, the manager I was quite close to had done a lot for me. Slavisa got the sack. Yeah, Yukanovic. Yeah, Yukanovic. Yeah, which is, which is disappointing because I, th- I really think he was 
a top top manager really yeah tell me more about him (laughs) listen to me tell me more because because a lot of people thought he was a great manager and that that was quite a shrewd sacking yeah it was it was um yeah he literally came into Fulham we was what we was like fighting relegation honestly when he when he came in stopped us from from relegation and we got in the playoffs the year after and but the football we 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 played that we changed it the Fulham fans was it was the best in years and years. Like we played such an attractive brand of football and a lot of attacking and lots of goals. So for him to lose his job, I think in the Premier League quite quite soon. I think it was like um, maybe November time, or October November. I can't remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah, was 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 it nice? And um, yeah, just I feel like he didn't get to really show what he's capable of in this league. And then it was Claudio Ranieri that came in, and mm. that was. A, an appointment I think lots of people were like wow okay that's interesting mm. what did he change when he came in did did you guys like having him as a manager uh, not, just, not, nothing personal you know just his no, style I, just, I think a lot changed I think a lot of the, the style of, the style of play definitely changed I think it went from one extreme to the other I think it was as I said it was quite open and fluid with Slavisa and then Italian manager was it was very defensive what they're famous for and you know I mean won the league with Leicester he's managed amazing teams and players so we had a lot of respect for him. Like, like it's a big name. It was a massive name at the time. But um, oh yeah, it just didn't seem to seem to work for us. I don't think we won his first game in charge, and there was a bit of hope. But I think um, yeah, it just kind of kind of fizzled out really in, in the end, and we was getting a little bit worse and worse. And yeah, that's when Scott Parker got the job. We're sort of going back and forth. I'm messing up the timeline a little bit. It's okay, it's okay. I'm remembering things that I want to ask you about and I want to go back to it. The way that you got promoted, so like that fashion, so in the playoff final at Wembley against Villa, there's different ways to be promoted, obviously, automatically or via this way. Is there something special about doing it at Wembley? It's the best way. If you can guarantee it, if you can guarantee it, it's the best way. But if it's the worst way to lose... So it's the best way to win and the worst way to lose. And plus you lose two weeks holidays if you lose as well. And cha- and championship normally starts before the Premier League, so you get even less less time. So there's a lot riding on the game, I swear. But oh, honestly, it was the oh, it was such a good day. I mean, um, it, the weather was so hot. It was a, a massive final. Aston Villa are a huge club. Like They obviously sold out their allocation. And it was just an amazing day. It, was, it turned out to be John Terry's last game in football. So a day I'll never forget and one, one day my family will never forget either. It was amazing. What was that Villa team like? So you mentioned like John Terry was in there and obviously now we see Jack Grealish going from strength to strength mm. and what was it like playing against him? They were very strong. Um, I think they finished the season really strong as well. And yeah, Grealish was a danger man obviously and I think he's just gone strength to strength from that and I'm not I'm not surprised either. He's, he's got a lot of ability and he, he doesn't really... You could argue we don't really play like an English player. He's, he's very, he's very natural. Can beat players, protects the ball so well. And yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see he's doing what he's doing really because I feel like there's been a lot of players come from the Championship who played in the Championship that have done really well in the Premier League. I mean, Ollie Watkins off the top of my head this season. So there's been a lot over the years. So yeah, it's, it's amazing to see what he's doing in England shirt now as well. And yeah, hopefully he carries on. Do you think, like, when you just said there, he doesn't play like an English player? Mm. I know what you're saying as well, and it's kind of like his own his own style. Do you yeah. think he can, he can go up a level? Do you think he can get better? 100%. I think, he's, what is he, 25? I don't, know, I don't know how old he is. But, yeah, I think he can go, I can go from strength to strength, as I say. And, like, what I mean by don't play like an English player, just he's quite off the cuff. He's a little bit, you never know what's going to happen a little bit. He takes risks. A bit maverick. 
yeah, a bit of a maverick. I think yeah, that's the right word. So um, yeah, he's very entertaining to watch, and I think that's why people love him. So that way of getting promoted, and and you're right because I think it's funny, isn't it? You get a trophy for it, so like you win the playoff. Yeah. But but if you actually go automatically, you don't get anything. Yeah. It's just like yeah, all right, well done, well done. Yeah, like, yeah. You've done really well, and we're bored of seeing you win. Yeah, so you're true. automatically up. But doing it that way, and then and then coming into the Premier League, and then we've covered basically like it, it's just when you when you look at like you in particular and what you've done at Fulham, like mm. the ways that you got promoted, then relegated, then going through different managers, different styles of play. It must feel like there's just new challenges and some. You must just think, can I not just have a quiet season? I've, I did think this the other day, do you know that? I actually did think this. I, I, I thought like if I survive relegation this year, hopefully we will, I just want a mid-table season, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> I, just want, I just want a stress-free season, get to 40 points around like February time, February, March, and just have a nice, nice finish because this is just too much. I mean, even, <laughs> even getting promoted in the playoffs last year in, in lockdown was crazy. Yeah, how different was that? Chalk and cheese, I can't explain the difference in the 2018 final and the 2020. I mean, like, lifting a trophy at Wembley with no one there, he's mental. Honestly, you just hear everyone cheering behind you and he's looking at 90,000 red seats. Does yeah, it but, feel like, you know, the, the glitch in the FIFA game where they're like lifting? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 a little bit no like that. Trophy, there's yeah. no one there. Is it just, yeah. a bit, do you have to kind of go, right, keep up a face? Obviously, you're really happy anyway. No, I was but... really, I was really happy. But it, and in a way, though, it was quite, it was satisfying because you felt like you did it by yourself. Like yeah, I mean. the, the lockdown runs and stuff that was getting sent to like keep fit before we came back. And we played like nine games in three or four weeks or something. It was crazy. So it was like, you had to kind of like picture their moments of like getting promoted to motivate you, do you know what I mean? So like to do that in the end was was an amazing feeling. We've spoken actually to a couple of Leeds players that were saying like the sort of levels of training that they were getting sent mm. were, were obscene while they're mm. in lockdown, where other clubs were kind of getting given a few weeks off or something mm. like that. They felt like they were working harder. Is that what happened with you guys? Yeah, we got sent a lot. We got Did sent you? a lot, yeah. I think it would have been like Leeds, yeah. Yeah, but because of technology nowadays, the Strava app, I don't know if you've got it. <laughs> yeah. There's no hiding. I don't use it. It's on my phone, but it's not been used. There's no hiding. <laughs> so, like, you can't you can't just text the fitness coach saying, yeah, I did it. You have to, like, it's literally, like, there, do you know what I mean? So, it's just, oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. Strava's annoying, isn't it? Because, like, it's annoying for me because someone that I am friends with on Facebook that I haven't spoken to in 12 years will will suddenly follow me and be like, right, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not, I don't want to tell you how yeah, far I've yeah. walked. You don't need that pressure either. No, I don't need that pressure oh. and like and there's people that I work with that are like oh let's link up on Peloton and I'm like no let's not like I don't want you to know that I've done it for five minutes and got bored and got off. like I don't want people following you but you don't have that luxury because your manager's probably mm. on you all the time going mm. all right so what's he done when you come into training do they like at that time do they look at all your stats and say ah Tom you could actually you could be a bit better here a little bit yeah a little bit at the time yeah it was such a weird weird phase really um, weird. but yeah I'm so glad we did it also, so like now we know, we've, we've spoken about the fact that obviously that season you went up, you went back down, came up again <laughs> through the playoff system, <laughs> just making sure everyone stays with us. And this is now Scott Parker's time to really have a full season in the Premier League because he didn't get it the time before. Obviously. Yeah. How hard was, was just the beginning part of that season? It was a difficult start. I think, um, yeah, I think we conceded quite a few goals. We couldn't really find a. I think it was a while till we won. I think we beat West Brom in October time. I think maybe. Yeah, Can't remember, amazing. but yeah, it was, it was definitely a difficult to start. But as I said, that's the type of person he is. He never he never got too low, 
and he literally he, he believed we brought even more players in, got loan players, and things started to change. The performances was changing. Like we was never, we, even when we, when we wasn't winning, I remember some games: Sheffield United, West Ham away. Like we missed a penalty in the last second to equalise. Yeah. Um, that was Hickson, um, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I forget what I remember that. <laughs> yeah. Just things like that though, but we wasn't we was never getting battered. And I think that's that was what the message you keep saying was like, you're not you're always in the games. And I think then things started to turn and I think we just got better and better. I think that's why a lot of people now, and can I just say, like you must have heard, like it must be impossible to completely get rid of the noise when you're in the position you are at the beginning of the season and you're not winning games and you know that people are saying Fulham are gone, yeah, mm. Fulham are done, that's it, that's that's mm. their season written off. Mm. Do you use it as some sort of a motivation, really, to mm. just say like you guys have written us off already, like, and, we, and we know, like you're saying, we're coming close to these results? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. I remember after the Aston Villa game at home, I think Jamie Carragher said. Fulham are gone. I remember. I, remember it, I, yeah. I do remember that. Yeah, we we did speak about that a little bit. Um, did you? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to hear this. <laughs> don't worry, uh, I'll tell him. No, really. but, uh, yeah, I think we did, we did hear that, and obviously, yeah, it's it's annoying, and you professionals at you, and you don't really want want to hear that about you or the team. So, yeah, it'd be nice if we get out of this situation and we can we can say to Jamie, there you go. <laughs> You, to be honest, like you, you kind of already given him a little bit because you beat Liverpool at Anfield and Jamie mm. was at that game. And funnily enough, when we were doing the pieces for Sky, mm. one of the questions I wanted to ask him was, "Have you changed your opinion?" Mm. And I didn't quite get to it because oh. there was like we just ran out of time, and now I'm so annoyed. But yeah, it was yeah. on my list. It was on my yeah. list to say like you, you literally said they were dead and buried and they were gone. And have you changed mm. your mind basically? But I think there's something really nice in that that you've got such respectable performances and you're coming so. close close to it and mm. now those wins are starting to come because you've had so many draws as well crazy draws. how many draws we've had crazy mad can I ask you as well so obviously we, we sort of touched a little bit on Adamola Lookman and, and that penalty yeah. and at the time he got a lot of stick as well mm. so there were people saying you're you're a loney you know you shouldn't be doing things like that this is you know you're, you're playing with people's livelihoods here I mean I imagine that wasn't obviously what was going through his head at the time like what was the reaction afterwards between the teammates yeah, it was walking in the dressing room. He was very apologetic. He, he apologised to the players and the staff. I remember, after, I'm sorry what I'm saying, he did. And um, I think the manager had a little word with him and, and and said, like, kind of you can miss, but you can't miss like that. I think that's what he basically was, wasn't in a, in a nice way. And But honestly, the day after the day after that, it was it was forgot about and football. Honestly, it's literally like you have an argument or a row one day, but the next day it's gone and things happen too quickly. And in fairness to Ademola, like he's been amazing for us this season. I think that shows what kind of character he is, what strength of character he's got, because no doubt he'd have got a lot of stick after the game from outside people, fans or whatever. He'd got a lot of tweets. And um, yeah, he didn't, he didn't let it bother him one bit and he's came back and done what he's done for us this season. Yeah. Also, Scott Parker. So, how how different is it when he is your teammate and then becomes your manager? Yeah. What 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 changes? Does he suddenly tell you to do something one day and you're like, what? And then you go, oh, I have to do it. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it is. It is strange because you you share a dressing room with someone. I played with him for two years, which is quite. He was my captain, and when he wasn't playing, I was captain. So, um, <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, I think. 
and we used to like have like we always used to next to each other or near each other have it like pre-match meals and dinner and stuff when we used to play together. So you talk about like I don't know, you might talk about the the games or the X Factor. I'm sorry, get me out of here. I don't know, but like as soon as it becomes manager, I think that that changes a little bit. You can't say, "Oh, Gaffer, did you watch this last night?" Or do you know what I mean? It's it's more of like a bit of a respect thing. You don't call him Scotty anymore. You call him Gaffer. Uh, just little things like that is is a bit weird when you played with someone, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's all right. Have you noticed that he has had to... The only way I can think of something similar is is like when, you know, me working at Sky for 11 years and someone who has always been on the same level as you then gets a promotion and becomes your producer. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you have to kind of... It's like, it's the same kind of thing. You can't sit together in the canteen anymore. Yeah. And you kind of have to have a different level of respect. Did the way that he spoke to you change as well? I suppose the good thing about Scotty was because he'd done so much in his career, I think everyone showed him that respect anyway. Because he played for England, Tottenham, Chelsea. And like we was in the Championship. We've not done what he's done. So we're kind of seen him as that kind of figure anyway, if you know what I mean. Like if you if you ever spoke, everyone listened. Or if he walked in a room, it was like, it was just a bit different. So... I think the transition was okay for because of that reason, if you know what I mean. Because we already we we kind of already seen him above us anyway, so it was all right. You mentioned a little bit international caps and things like that. Scotty playing for England, you played for Scotland, yes. And so far, two caps. Yeah. I imagine in your career, you, you're hoping to get more. Yeah, yeah. I just think, yeah, it's been. I suppose I think there was times I was playing where I was hoping I'd get caught up more than I did, but it was it's football, and I think the, the strongest part of Scotland probably is the midfield so I think um, yeah, there's a lot of players fighting for the same positions but look they've just done an amazing thing and qualifying for the Euros so yeah I can't really say I can't really say too much but hopefully have an amazing tournament Does that give you motivation though that you can get back to fitness not just kind of work your way back to full fitness for Fulham but potentially like put your hand up and get included? Of course I think um, yeah to go imagine going to that is some event um, especially after the last year we've had yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. I think international level is the, the pinnacle of anyone's career. So, yeah, if I'm lucky enough to be in the squad, then amazing. But I think I've got to climb back up the ladder first. And I suppose um, your ultimate priority at the moment is Fulham and, yeah. and making sure you get back to full fitness and, and Fulham stay in the league. So how confident is it? Because the other thing that I took from the weekend at Anfield was that it just feels like... I, I interviewed Harrison Reid afterwards and... I said to him, it just feels like for some time the momentum has now been with Fulham mm. as opposed to the teams around, you know, mm. especially on that day on Sunday with Newcastle dropping points and, and Brighton, you were level with them at that point as well. They were just above you on goal difference. So does it feel like the momentum is with you? And do you have that heart that you're going to stay up? I feel like, yeah, we have got a little bit of momentum, especially especially the way we're playing. I think um, we're in every game against top side as well. We could have arguably, we should have maybe got a point against Tottenham the night because the handball was... Yeah. Oh, how hard was that to take? The next Honestly. day they're like, we're going to change that rule, don't worry. I was, I was in the stand watching the game, so I didn't really get to see what everyone got to see at home. But then after the game, when I seen a picture of it, I was like, what? Mm. I can't, honestly, we don't get much luck in this league, I swear. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should have got a point against Tottenham. Um, it was amazing against Chelsea until the sending off. It was close against Man U. So it's literally like, I think we have had a good momentum even against the top side. So um, as I said, it's still a long way to go. We're still in the bottom three. I know it's goal difference, but we're still on the relegation zone. So, yeah, but I believe we've got enough to to get out of it. Last day of the season, you're going to play Newcastle. Yes. They come to you, Craven mm. Cottage, mm. and you might have fans as well. 
That's, so that might be the one and only game you can have fans, and it could mean everything. That could literally be another playoff final. <laughs> that's mad, isn't it? Yeah, it is, it is mad, but hope, hopefully it will be safe by then. That's what, uh, in my head, I, I'm praying for. But yeah. I bet Sky would love it if it's not like that and it goes to the final day and they can get all drama going and stuff like I'll that. I'll put up my hand, I'll say, I'll go, I'll yeah, report there. Yeah, literally. literally. <laughs> it'll be me. It's all right for you lot. I know. I actually did do your game the day you got relegated and it was against Newcastle, wasn't it? The season before yeah, last. Yeah, the last game of the season. Yeah. That was the last yeah. game of the season again, yeah. wasn't it? And obviously yeah. it wasn't a, a very happy time. Raffle Newcastle at home as well. So weird. Yeah, yeah, that, is yeah so weird. that is weird, isn't it? Yeah. That's only just... Wow, how spooky. Mm. Mm. But anyway, look, this time it could be completely different. You could be sending them down. Obviously, that's not what we want to see. My dad's a Newcastle fan. He listens to this, so sorry, Dad, sorry. But, I mean, the thought of having fans there, even for one game this season, do you feel like you've... You, you know how there's some teams, you look at like Sheffield United and you think you've really suffered, and, and Liverpool to an extent as well, at Anfield now that they're yeah. going on this run where they can't yeah. win there. Do you feel like you guys have really missed them? Yeah, I think, I think promotion teams need them a little bit. Especially at home, coming in, I think you need like the little one percent, every little one percent, two percent you can get, and I think home fans make that. They might have turned a few draws into wins. Who, who knows? You know what I mean, it's sort of ifs and buts. But I think when you come up, I think you just need that extra boost at home. So I think Leeds as well. Leeds would, I think Leeds would have been not that they've had about, they've had an amazing season anyway, but I think they'd have been amazing for uh, the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. You do notice sometimes where you can be kind of dragged over the line a little bit by your fans, especially, like you say, with Leeds. Um, really important question to finish off with. Someone has told me this, and I just need you to tell me if it's true, that you're a big fan of Justin Bieber. What? <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Is it really true? Have you been to see him? Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> no. third, row, third row, was I? Second row, something like that. Are you serious? How many yeah. times have you seen him? Uh, only a couple. I'm not like a super fan. Only a but couple? Yeah, yeah. Twice? Yeah. I mean, twice is more than zero, isn't it? Yeah, twice. No, I like his music. I think a lot of people like his music, no? I like his new music. Okay, so you're on about yeah. when you young, young. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Wait, when did you start being his family? You his family was young. Yeah, you are, aren't you? Uh, Since day one, yeah. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> I'm a believer. Say no more. I get it. That's absolutely fine. Tell me now, do you put it on in the changing room? Uh, sometimes, yeah. But the boys do like you? it. The boys like uh, it. Bet they do. See, everyone thinks like footballers are really cool, but they're not. They're all believers. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Tom, thank you so much. Um, no I know problem. you've got stuff to do. You've got to go look after your one-year-old son. No, you do me a favour. Can we just talk about something yeah, else? I know, yeah, I know, yeah. So tell me again about that season. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. And um, honestly, Bio will be so gutted that he's missed this. Oh, okay. Do you want to send him a message? What would you like to say to him? No, I just hope he's recovering well. I know it's, you know what I mean? I hope he's... Um, How did he go on last night, actually? They lost last night and I don't think oh, he played. Oh, lost 1-0, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. 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 No, I just hope he's good and recovering well because he's, he's a big boy. Yeah, he is a big boy. He needs more recovery mm. time, right? Mm. And a much larger ice bath. Yeah. Um, Tom, Tom, thank you so much. Um, good luck with your own recovery. We look forward to seeing you back there ASAP, potentially for the Manchester City game. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Baptism of fire. It's Joe Bucking to it. <laughs> Tom, thank you so much. Right, okay, thank you. Bye-bye. There you go. That is it. Tom Kearney, this week's guest. A brilliant, brilliant interview. Really, really enjoyed that. And like I say, we do wish him a speedy recovery. That first game back could be Manchester City. So we keep our fingers crossed for him.
Okay, it's time now to look at the Super 6 fixtures for round 42. Just a reminder, download the Super 6 app, create an account and play for free by predicting the scores of six chosen matches. And it does happen because it has happened. Someone out there has actually won £250,000. So Jeff currently is going through the phone book and looking for that winner and finding out who it is. So there you go, it does happen. So if you enter, it could be you next time. Right, prediction time. We've now got six fixtures to predict to. It's just going to be me at the moment because obviously there's no bio, so it's me against myself this week. So here we go, I'm going to go through it. Crystal Palace taking on West Brom. I'm going to go for a Palace win. They've been battered a little bit lately, but I do think that they're going to bounce back. Even though West Brom are a little bit more solid than they were, I still think Palace are going to win this one 1-0. Okay, next one is Bournemouth taking on Barnsley. Barnsley have got like seven wins in the row at the moment. At the time I'm recording at the moment, they're playing tonight. So they're going to play Derby. So that could be eight wins or it could be a loss or whatever. But I still think, despite the fact Bournemouth are unbeaten in the last three, I'm going to go for a Barnsley win this one. I'm going to say 1-0. I think it's going to be a little bit tight. So yeah, I'm going to go Barnsley win 1-0. Uh, next one is Cardiff taking on Watford. That one I'm going to say 2-1 to Cardiff. And that's only because Cardiff have got such a good record at the moment. I'm beaten in the last 11. So a Cardiff win there. Forest taking on Reading. I'm going to go for a Reading win in this one. 2-0 against Forest. Forest, even though they're starting to kind of catch up with themselves, I still think Reading are going to be the stronger outfit out of the two of those. Then we've got Barra taking on Stoke. This one's really difficult. Ninth against 10. I struggled with this one a bit. I'm going to say a 1-0 win for Borough though. And then Derby are taking on Millwall. I'm going to say 2-1 to Millwall. Okay, that is it for another week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much also to our guest, Tom Kearney. Absolutely brilliant. Always love catching up with him. Next week, Bio Akinfenwa is going to be back. I might just take a week off, to be honest. I might just make him do all the work because I've done the heavy lifting this week. We're on Twitter and Instagram as well, just to remind you, at Super6 if you want to follow us. And if you are enjoying this, hit the like and subscribe. And then the podcast basically automatically downloads each week. So um, it can just come straight into your downloads. You don't have to worry about it. And if you feel like it, give us a five-star rating. We're not Bio Akinfenwa because he's not here this week. Anyway, thanks for joining me. Thanks for keeping me company. See you next time. <laughs>